0: Hey guys, I'm Garrett.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: We've been married for over 10 years and have two kids, Caleb and Sadie.
1: Over the last few years, we have fallen in love with the scriptures, how through them God has made himself known to us and his ultimate desire to dwell among us.
0: We want to invite you to join us on this journey as God reveals himself to us through his word.
1: We also want to be real about our lives, our struggles, and our joys.
0: This is Growing Deeper.
1: Welcome back. We're going to be picking up in chapter five of Matthew again today. Um, but before we get into that, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yep. Uh, we don't care at all about this year's Super Bowl. Don't care who wins. There's not a single Tennessee like It's, alum. Been, a long,
0: it's been a long time since I've cared about a Super Bowl, though, at all. <laughs> Like, I can't remember, True. I mean, it's probably been, I mean, it's been S- since Peyton six, Manning.
1: Six years? Yeah. Yeah, the, the night before Caleb was born That's right. was a Peyton Manning's last football game when he yeah. won the uh, Super Bowl with the Denver Really, Broncos. his
0: defense won the Super Bowl Yeah, he did not
1: there. play very well. He was, <laughs> it was definitely a great time for him to retire. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, our dog is named after Peyton Manning. Yeah. So, yeah. Our dog. Speaking of our dog, he almost caught on fire tonight because he like rolled into the He's fireplace. been
0: consistently trying to roll into the fireplace to catch on fire like Lord Denizor from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's, I mean. Go out with, with a bang.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, if he was a human, he'd, he would desperately need intervention, <laughs> like, of the highest yeah. caliber. Uh, but, you know whatever he's 15 and a half years old and um yeah so anyway so we're recording tonight after the halftime show of the super bowl because i just i think i have this She desperately
0: wanted to watch snoop Dogg.
1: i guess and eminem
0: yeah which by the way eminem uh lose yourself i get hype every time i hear that now still Uh,
1: we were we were like i should probably add that to my running playlist (laughs)
0: Not great lyrics, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. If I go back and listen to the things that I listened to in high school, uh, Mom
1: spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so that was you know we just we were I really just wanted to see. I Try think balls,
0: I, but I keep on forgetting.
1: Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to see the halftime show. I think I just have a fear of missing out when it comes to the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. Not that I'm gonna like talk to anybody tomorrow about the Super Bowl because I'm a stay-at-home mom and. <laughs> a uh, very limited interactions. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyway, I did want to see that. So ha- now here we are finally recording. And that that to me that is something I wanted to bring up like just being honest with how hard it is to um sometimes get motivated to podcasts and yeah. it's it's not because of what we're studying, it's really because of the time of day
0: yeah well, I mean, it's really hard at the end of, but for both of us we I mean the only time that we can do it is at the end of our day after we put the kids to bed. Mm-hmm. so it's something that we definitely want to do, but at the same time, it's also like the most exhausted part of our day so, and it's the only time yeah.
1: we have to ourselves right. so like um and, and I think we've probably mentioned on here just like it i mean to like record a podcast takes a mental toll on us both. and yeah. so after we're done podcasting, we're like I'm going to crash in <laughs> yeah <bed. laughs> and and
0: it's already you know then at that point it's like ten o'clock ten o'clock you yeah. know by the time we finish and so you know it it, it is it's difficult and it, and yeah we just want to be real with that of that it's not that we just we're always and constantly excited about you know about scripture even though we want to be yeah you know it, it there is there are times where we have to say no this is something that we're dedicated to and we want to do we want to do mm-hmm. it tonight and that, that's part of one of the things too is that i want to make sure that we do it when we are feeling it yeah, uh, and then we don't try to force it too much. Um, but there is an aspect of it that says, Hey, despite how I feel, I, you know, I'm going to go into God's word and I'm going to listen to what he has to say to me and learn from, learn from him and try to be more like him, even in the times we're not feeling it. Yeah. So there's, there's kind of two, two things going there. Like, yes, you want to make sure you're not just doing it because you feel like you have to, or you're guilty, you feel guilty or something right. like that. At the same time, there's a, the, d- desire to, you know, that we make it a habit that we make this something that we do and and and,
1: just be disciplined with it. Yeah. Because
0: we care about it because we want to be like God. Um, and this is the way that we come to know him. Uh, at least one of the ways that we come, maybe even primary way that we come to know him, uh, is through his word and hearing his word. Um, you know, that we, that we dedicate ourselves to it and, and and go go after it um cuz they're definitely going to be honestly, you feel it honestly
1: for me there, my mindset towards it is kind of is a lot similar to like exercise mm-hmm. like most of the time i'm not like oh i can't get i can't wait to get out and go exercise or yeah. whatever um but i always 100% of the time feel better having Done exercise yeah. you know and so doing the podcast or just studying scripture um, even without the podcast is the same way.
0: That's right. Yeah. So anyways, just want to be real about that and kind of the struggles that we have uh, yeah. on occasion. So, uh, do are we going to go straight into it? Or? Um,
1: we can do a question. Refi- these are quick questions. So we'll play one little round of Chick-fil-A.
0: Table topics. Roulette.
1: roulette. Nailed it. Yes. All right. For the first
0: time ever. Yeah. I feel like. So, all right. So what we okay. got?
1: Who has a pet you really like? <laughs> Not, not ours yeah,
0: not not me I do not have a pet that I like <laughs> who uh, has a pet
1: that you really like
0: you know um, let me think I'm trying to think of a dog because dogs are really about the only pet that I like yeah same um, like
1: I'm allergic I'm a little bit allergic to cats not yeah. like crazy but like if I'm around if I'm inside with a cat for too long my eyes get yeah um, scratchy or yeah. scratchy is that right itchy I don't know whatever anyway my eye it bothers my eyes
0: I don't know well, I guess nobody really has a dog that I just absolutely love. Uh, that, but you know, I do know. I I know that I want a Brittany Spaniel. That's definitely yeah. That's just des- whenever Peyton finally kicks it, that's what I want as a Brittany Spaniel. Yeah. Um.
1: Um. Honestly, for me, I don't like. There is no. But I mean, what? What is? What is uh, sorry,
0: What is Brittany? Brittany. Uh, um. Uh. Your friend. Um. Your bridesmaid.
1: Brittany, yeah, uh, she has a, like a golden lab.
0: Oh, I thought she Go had on. like a German. No, she didn't have a German short hair. I thought she, I thought she had like a uh, coonhound or something.
1: They used to have like a smoky dog. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, blue tick hound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were really pretty.
1: Um, I don't know. Well, honestly, just my favorite dog ever was our Sheltie, mm-hmm. Maddie. She was just precious. Yeah. And I just really loved her, man. Yeah. Like there's just, to me, there's Peyton in some ways comes close, but I don't know. I, maybe it's just because she was like my childhood dog that mm-hmm. you just kind of have like a special
0: special place, place your for heart. your dog. Which is also dog. why I want to get another dog, you know, for Caleb, really. Yeah.
1: <clears> well, <throat> I mean, and that's really no shade to Peyton. Yeah,
0: he's <laughs> um, just not a kid, he's just, kid dog.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he just doesn't interact. He's yeah. just old, you know? Yeah. We I mean, had
0: a, we we had a uh, German short-haired pointer that I loved. Uh, yeah. Like I desperate, and her name was Bailey. Um, and, uh, yeah, I desperately loved that dog. That was my favorite dog ever. Um, and she would, uh, she was super smart and, uh, you know, which eventually I think got the best ever. Cause I, I do think that she got hit by a car like, mm-hmm. and died, but, um, but she was, she was really good. Like she, you know, dad would be like, Hey, you know, she just, he just say place and she'd go lay on her mat, whatever. But whenever he fell asleep, she would like literally tiptoe, like <laughs> tiptoe to get out, you know, to, to go from what, you know, to try to get out of the room without waking him up. Like, it was just funny to be laying there and she thinks you're asleep and then she just kind of slowly gets up. You could watch her literally tiptoe, but she was super, uh, really good dog. Um, and, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for the shedding, I, I would go for German short here. but.
1: Yeah, same uh, with Shelties. They yeah. are super. Uh, yeah. So there you
0: go. Yeah. So I don't know if it was you know, somebody else's favorite dog, but a little insight into our favorite
1: yeah. animals. Yeah. Who knew this was yeah. going to be a, a dog show? Yeah. Which, by the way, we should have watched the puppy bowl.
0: We should have. Yeah. I, and I, Thanksgiving every year, I always love to watch the dog show. That's my favorite part of Thanksgiving before the meal.
1: And everyone's like, um, excuse me, you want to yeah. watch what?
0: <laughs> I love to watch the dog show. I really, really do. Uh, um it, it's a good light like, little napping show so i guess technically i don't watch it but <laughs> it's kind of like golf it's just like golf it, it's just, just like, like golf. just like it there
1: is no difference between the dog show and golf that's, that's right all uh, right okay
0: so let's slide into uh into matthew chapter five uh just a brief reca- recap <laughs> recap
1: <laughs> how old are you uh,
0: sorry recap uh re- brief recap of where we are. Oh, sorry, I feel like I have desecrated the Sermon on the Mount. Now. Oh my
1: goodness! Uh, <laughs> what? We're gonna have to start over, aren't we? <laughs> uh,
0: anyways, okay. So where we are in the story for Matthew, um, you know, Jesus has started collecting. You know, he 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 got disciples. People are starting to follow him. in uh, and, and chapter five began um, with him starting. He, he gathers his disciples. He goes up a mountain, uh, and he starts giving. Uh, His disciples, this instruction, um, or it starts speaking to them, right? Uh, In in um, RT France calls this. He said he he tends to to move away from saying Sermon on the Mount because that just feels it feels like it's more generic ethics for everyone type thing. And uh, instead, it calls it discourse on discipleship, which is what I was looking for at the end of the last podcast. But Mm. um, this is addressed to the disciples of Jesus. And that's what we need to be clear about, that this isn't an expectation um, for everyone. It is is for sure God's desire for humans, like Mm -hmm. of what we would be. Um, But the expectation, this is addressed to his disciples, not to... Uh, everyone at large. Uh, so the the expectation is that if you're if you're coming in under this, uh, that you are already a follower of Jesus, and uh, and this is his calling for his disciples of what he's what he's calling them to be uh, as his followers. If you're going to follow me, this is what it's going to be. As the King, this is my manifesto uh, of what our what our policies are. You know, um, w- within this kingdom uh, of who we're going to be. Um, so he starts with the Beatitudes and he goes through, we, we went through each of those and, um, and how those work together. And they're not standalone items of um, this desire to, um, or recognition of our need for God. Uh, also, you know, thirsting after uh, God, you know, for both us to be able to do, th- you know, do things right and also for God to set things right. Um, and to set things right between each other and other people. Um, and I think the Beatitudes is very much going to get reworked. Uh, as we go through the rest of the discourse on discipleship or the sermon on the Mount. Um, and I think we'll see some of that play out, uh, in the, in this uh, section of Matthew. So, and then he, uh, after the beatitudes, he tells them the, the whole section of salt and light. And we talked about how that's, um, hit the call for the disciples, not to just be like hermits, you know, on the side, you know, being, Oh, my own little personal holiness of me being good, but also being involved, being directly involved in the world, being, uh, as the Beatitudes would say, be a peacemaker, um, that you're actively involved in the world of uh, setting things right and bringing righteousness and, and all of these things. Um, but uh, you're not just assimilated to the world, but you're actually contrasted uh, to the world, that you're, you're different from it uh, and yet in it at the same time. And so uh, it's this call for his disciples to be uh, distinct uh, in and among the people uh, that are around them um you know who who aren't followers of Jesus and so um th- that call is for that and and that that specific calling um you know it's going to result in the end, like at the end of the the beatitudes in a in persecution people aren't going to like it uh, there's going to be lots of people that don't like it to be a city on on a hill um it's going to attract attention both positive and negative and so that's we have to be expecting that and if we're if we're not, um, I feel like if we're not getting pushback, then we probably aren't following Jesus. Um, and you know, it, it, it's something to just think about, um, in your walk, you know, do you feel like there is pushback against the way that, you know, again, you know, whenever you're following Jesus, that people are saying, oh, this is weird. And, stuff like is there pushback and then also are you attracting people to it so like there's kind of a and both both of these things should be happening um but it shouldn't just be that oh the world loves everything that you're doing because that's just not i mean jesus it doesn't work that way you know like if Mm -hmm. the world loves everything that you're doing then you're just really becoming like the world um as opposed to being distinct from the world so that's his calling for his people to be distinct um and and also a, a part a part of it um so as we continue, we're going to continue through chapter 5 and starting in verse uh, 17. So, you want to read this first section?
1: Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven.
0: Okay, so uh, just, just to start off, I, and I think that you know, my, my experience has shown that you know, what I have experienced with people you know, reading Old Testament stuff, whatnot, or the way that we treat the old Testament. Um, we tend to, uh, really, um, push to the side of like old Testament doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, all that stuff is done away because Jesus came. Um, and in like this section really rubs against that. And I, I, you know, and I, I've been trying to redirect people to say, look, you know, (laughs) Jesus loved his old Testament. He loved, he loved, um, the Tanakh, uh, he loved his scriptures. These, Those were his scriptures. Uh, everything that he does, uh, he does, it, you know, he sees um, as him fulfilling the scriptures. And so we'll go through that. It's not a doing away of the Old Testament. And just like he says here, I'm not, I haven't come to destroy that. And it presupposes that some people are saying, this guy's just doing whatever he wants. He doesn't care about the scriptures or anything like that. And he says, no, no, uh, don't. It, it, and I think even we, we you know, Parts of uh, the beginning of chapter five, the, all the psalms and stuff that I probably mentioned as we went through that, uh, or the or Isaiah uh, pops up a lot of like he he is absolutely ingrained in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And whenever I say the scriptures, I mean the Old Testament um, yeah. because that's what he has. That's that's the very word of God to him, and that's yeah. the way he combats he combats Satan. You know, in in the desert, um, he he loves it, and he and he says. Uh, you know, to people that would that would come along and say, "Look, this dude's just ignoring all of our, you know, all of the scriptures." He's like, "No, that's not it at all. I'm not all here right. to destroy this. You know, I'm not here um, to destroy the law or the prophets, which are two distinct sections of the scriptures. Um, you know, the way that it would be laid out: the Tanakh, the the Torah, uh, the Neve'im, and the Ketuvim. The Neve'im is the prophets." Uh, And then the Ketuvim is the the writings, which we consider a lot of miscellaneous psalms and Ruth and Esther and uh, like the Proverbs and things like that. Those are part of the writings. Um, So he says, I'm not I'm not here to destroy that stuff and do away with it, but I'm here to instead to fulfill it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So you have any thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I think, you know, when we think of the law. I think, and this just is kind of fall, following along with what you're talking about, is a lot of times when we just read this without thinking about anything else, I think sometimes we see the law and we think just rules and regulations, and mm-hmm. it takes us to maybe just just the Ten Commandments, Right. when it is so much more than just the, the Ten Commandments. I mean, it's right. the whole story. You know right. I mean? It, it encompasses, like you said, I mean, the Torah, and that's it, multiple first,
0: books first and foremost it's a narrative right uh, i mean you have to go what did we talk about it was like uh like 61 or 62 chapters before you got even to any instructions of like you yeah. shall do this and you shall not do that right um and uh even like 19 chapter what you get the 10 words in i think chapter 19 19 or 20 of exodus so it, it takes that long to for that to happen right uh, which t- should tell you hey maybe this isn't just rules and regulations. However, it is it is God's word to them, you know, of like yeah. here's who I want you to be and here's what, you know. And so um I do I do think that there was a tendency at the time, especially from the Pharisees and the scribes, which is what he's uh, kind of combating here, is the way that they interpret the law is to treat it as rule and regulation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he, he's kind of saying, and what he's going to get to is like, that's not the way that it was meant to be used. You're using it incorrectly and here's the way you really should be using it. And so, uh, he's not combating the law as such. He's combating the law in the way that it's interpreted by their current religious leadership. Uh, not, not the law as it was intended. And he's trying to get us back to what, what was intended by it.
1: Yeah. Um, well, In this section too, it makes me think about like a conversation that we've had a lot of times lately is just like, um, there's like a kind of trend going on to just, you just like, let's just focus on the red letters in the Bible, the stuff that Jesus says, you know? And, um, to me, like you get here and you get, I mean, other places, like you mentioned, when he's tempted, um, in the desert, he is, um, he's combating Satan with scripture. Right. Old Testament, Hebrew scripture. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's like, if you're going to do red letter, you automatically kind of encompass the entire. You've done exactly
0: (laughs) what Jesus said not to do here. (laughs) (laughs) You know? uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean,
1: mean, you have to, I'm saying if you do do red letter, then you really have to include. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) You're ultimately going to have to include.
0: Oh, the All the scriptures. scriptures. All the scriptures. Um,
1: and so I think that that's just something. And I and for me, honestly, when I was like a high school student, I think a lot of times I would I did just want to focus on well, what did Jesus say because sure. the Old Testament was too hard. Yeah. And um, like now being able and I'm glad and and that's part of the reason too that we have Matthew's the first New Testament book we've right done on the podcast and that's just because we've been able to really emphasize the importance and, and what the old Testament is trying to do and try, like trying to accomplish.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and how it's trying to reveal the very heart of God and how, how it's doing that. And you know, like a guy like Joel, he would, or uh, I'm sorry, not Joel. Um, uh, a guy like Micah would come mm-hmm. along and say, uh, in Micah six, eight, he said, what, if, what is, what does Yahweh asked of you? But to seek justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. He, he encompasses all the law in those three lines, and saying that God has asked you to seek justice, uh, to to love to love mercy, which is more than just uh, forgiving someone, but also uh, pouring out generously for them, uh, and to to walk humbly with Him. He he summarizes the whole of the law in those three lines, and so whenever Jesus does eventually summarize the law in two lines, uh, he's he's very much in the heart of what the what the prophets are doing. Yeah, um, and so he's saying, I'm not doing away with that. I'm actually I'm actually bringing it to its fulfillment. This is uh, Patrick Schreiner says, this. he says, based on this preamble, the indication is that the following statements are not overturning the Torah, uh, but fulfilling it or showing the law's true intention. The clue lies in the preamble. Jesus does not add laws or even deepen them, but recovers what God has always required in the law from of old. However, this does not mean that nothing new is to be found. There is a sense of newness, but newness understood rightly Jesus is now the prophet who is the arbiter of the truth of God because no other prophet could say, but I say to you uh, in response to Torah without eyebrows being raised. Jesus rebuts a wrong interpretation of the Torah and supplies the reader with wisdom. A newness exists, but uh, it also has continuity with the past. Jesus uh, You know, for instance, and and we'll get to this uh, shortly, when when Jesus uh, compares murder to anger, he shows that the intention of the law is not merely to prevent murder, but also to prohibit selfish anger and serve as a stimulus for reconciliation. The intent of this law, even in the Torah, is not merely to prevent murder, but also to warn people against anger, insults, and disunity. It is uh, to be a stimulus for love. So Jesus points them back to the law and says, this is what it always meant. But I, as the Messiah, needed to show you how. Jesus, Jesus stands up as the new Moses and does not intensify the law, but rather returns it uh, to the original intention of the law. Matthew has Jesus as a teacher like Moses presenting the old-fashioned law. This, uh, this is the old message that Moses had already given, but now it is wrapped in the robes of the Messiah. He, he fulfills the law. By both performing the law and giving its true interpretation, so that's what we're going to see as we work through this. It's, he's going to show uh, through the rest of this chapter what does he mean by what he says here. Um, so again, he's he's saying I'm not I'm not coming to destroy it, but I'm coming to fulfill it. I'm showing I'm showing you what it always pointed towards uh, and what its heart always was, and he's going to get underneath it and say this is what it was always about. Um, so we'll go through that as we go through through each of them um so he, he goes on to say for truly I say to you which is that it's the actually word amen uh, which um, amen just mean it means this is true this is trustworthy this is something that you can lean on um amen I say to you right uh, until heaven and earth pass away not one tiny letter one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law or um, I think King James version would say uh, a jot or a tittle um, and so what he means by that and what he's talking about is in Hebrew, uh, letters are very similar to each other. Um, they look really, you know, very close to one another. Uh, for instance, like with the Dalet, like if you go look up the Hebrew, Hebrew letter Dalet, uh, and then also look up the Hebrew letter Resh. Um, one is a D sound, one is an R sound. Um, the way that they look, I mean, there is just the slightest stroke of a pen, like a, just a ink droplet that is the difference between the two of them. Uh and so he's talking about that of like all all that detail is so important. Every little bit of it is important.
1: I'd like to take a moment to shout out to myself. Um I got Garrett these flashcards for Christmas yeah. that are the Hebrew letters and I think that is what really probably helped point this part out to you. Yeah. I don't know if you had seen it somewhere else, but just like he he showed when we were studying these. He he was like, "Hold on, let me go get my flashcards," <laughs> and he like laid them out in front of me and like showed me they are so similar looking, yeah, and yet have totally
0: different sounds, different, yeah, sounds and then and then and then just one letter. I mean, just imagine even our own language, one letter being different, yeah, changes the whole meaning of a word. And so he's saying every little detail, every little detail matters yeah. uh, and can't be thrown away. And so that should make us stand back and say. Well, how have I treated the Old Testament? I've, t- I, you know, historically, before I really started reading the Bible, <laughs> I probably treated it like it, it's like, this doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Um, And so I, I would challenge whoever, you know, whoever does actually listen to this, I just challenge you, like, how do you, do you treat it like every every little pin stroke matters? Um, and if not, then, you know, I think Jesus is challenging you here. Like, how do you treat it? Um, and, and do you, do you see it as the very word of God and that every bit of it matters? Um, and that
1: it will always matter. I mean, cause like mm-hmm. that's, I mean, to say here until heaven and earth disappear, like they're not going to. That's right. Yeah. Uh, like, you know,
0: that's right. And, and that's the point. Uh, it, so for instance, uh, this, this is what R.T. France says about that. He says, um, he says the pronouncement thus, uh, thus marked out is a striking and puzzly, uh, epigram. It is clearly a statement of the permanence of the law. Notice that the prophets has dropped off because he started with law and prophets, and now he said the law. You know, Heaven and earth pass away, not one bit of the law. Um, Have now dropped off from the discussion. It will be the law, which is the focus of the rest of chapter 5. The preservation of every least mark of the pen is a vivid way of conveying that no part of it can be dispensed with. But the saying is complicated by the two until clauses. Uh, it is not clear how these two clauses relate to one another or whether uh, they are making the same or different points. Um, until heaven and earth pass away is a conventional way of saying that uh, for all practical purposes, never. Uh, and the repetition of the verb pass away links the law closely with the heavens and the earth being equally permanent. Uh, in 2435, uh, uh, Jesus' own words are stated. Uh, to be more permanent than heaven and earth. So anyways, essentially by this statement, um, he's saying it's as permanent as the heavens and the earth, which is like, it'll never, you know, never going to go away until all, until all takes place. Um, And so, you know, one, one could, uh, I think uh, I've got like a little paraphrase in here somewhere. So one, one could paraphrase it this way of the law down to its smallest details is as permanent as heaven and earth and will never lose its significance. On the contrary, all that it points forward to will in fact become a reality. Uh, Now now that that reality has arrived in Jesus, the jots and tittles will be seen in a new light, uh, but they still cannot be discarded. It will be the function of the following verses to illustrate how they may function in this new situation, uh, which they serve not as uh, simple rules of conduct, but as pointers uh, to a greater righteousness, which Jesus has brought into being and which sur- supersedes the old type of law keeping. Um, so anyways, he, he's saying it's it basically it's not going away. Uh, and it's something that I'm actually I'm showing you how it really works. Um, and it's going to keep going until all things take place, uh, which has not happened yet. <laughs> um, So uh, he, he continues and he, he actually gets harsher with it. and He says like, hey, whoever abolishes one of these least commands and teaches people to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And so, I mean, if he hasn't been clear already, he continues to work this and saying like, hey, nobody should be teaching you to do away with this stuff. And so I also have to wonder like, have we been teaching this type of thing and, and kind of going against what what Jesus is trying to tell them here um is that this is all important and the people, you know, um, you know, the people in the kingdom uh need to be need to be teaching this stuff. But I guess it's a matter of how they teach it and what they teach um about it um that, that matters. You have any other reflections on that?
1: I don't think so. Okay. Uh.
0: Um so he he continues and says, um, you know, that for for I say to you um, that unless your righteousness greatly surpasses uh, that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what was your first reaction to that little little bit?
1: Well, just thinking about the Pharisees and how I like, I know that there is going to be a lot of tension between Jesus and the Pharisees, I was like very curious as to, to what this could possibly mean. Um, because to me, I'm like, that feels like a weird bar for Jesus to set Mm -hmm. because they were obviously trying. Um, They just took things, you know, I guess maybe more literally. I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but uh, of just like, you know, really trying to like follow the rules and regulations to a T. Right. And, um, you know, knowing that Jesus is about to kind of flip that on its head, like... I was just like that. Just it feels like a weird draw for Jesus to to put pull into, like you know, right? I don't know.
0: Yeah, and, and so it. Uh, I, I admittedly, I mean, this it feels really weird that he just he starts. He's like, hey, if you're gonna be really my disciples, that you have to have a righteousness beyond the scribes and Pharisees. Is just like, well, this feels like it's against everything that I've ever thought about, about scribes and yeah, Pharisees. Yeah. Uh, and so um. Working this out, Brandon Crow says this, he says, followers of Christ must exhibit exhibit a greater righteousness than the scribes and the Pharisees. Greater righteousness does not refer to a hypothetical ideal of righteousness that no one can put into practice, as though Jesus points out the folly of trying to beat the Pharisees at their uber meticulous rule keeping. In reality, the Pharisees weren't concerned enough with the law of God. They were good at outward observance, but they missed the love and mercy that God's law really requires. Jesus doesn't critique the Pharisees for giving too much attention to the law. He critiques them for not having given enough attention to God's law. And then, um, uh, let's see, R.T. France continues. He talks about it like this. He says, to speak of righteousness which get which goes far beyond the scribes and the Pharisees might therefore uh, seem to be an impossible even ridiculous ideal as long as righteousness is understood in terms of literal uh, obedience to rules and regulations it would be hard to find anyone who attempted a more regular uh, rigorous and more consistent uh, and more consistently than the scribes and Pharisees the mm-hmm. paradox of Jesus Jesus's demand uh, uh makes sense only if their basic premise as to what righteousness consists of is put into question. Jesus is not talking about beating the scribes and the Pharisees at their own game, but about a different level or concept of righteousness altogether. Those who are to belong to God's new realm must move beyond literal observance of rules, um, however good and scriptural, to a new consciousness of what it means to please God, one that, which penetrates beneath the surface level of rules, to, to be obeyed, to, uh, to a more radical openness to knowing and doing the underlying will of your Father in heaven. Uh, J.P. Meyer describes Jesus' demand as a, quote, radical interiorization, a total obedience to God, a complete self-giving to neighbor that carries the, in, the ethical thrust uh, of the law to its God willed conclusion, even when this means it uh in some cases abrogating the letter of the law. So, in other words, um he's saying, um, you know, like with Brandon, Brandon Crow's thing is that he he's actually saying that they don't give enough attention to it and that they've missed the heart of it, which was to to love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all of your heart, yeah. right? Uh, they've missed the interiorization of it, and that's not just Jesus saying that, that's saying that's Hosea saying, you know, uh, he he, he would say, um, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He wasn't saying that sacrifice isn't good, he was saying that sacrifice without mercy means nothing, yeah. Uh, it needs there, it was to reflect an inner inner part, and then also, uh, with RT Francis stuff, he's saying, Look, this is a, di- a different type of righteousness altogether, one that is in interior, not just one that is of an exterior, you know, look, the way that the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, yeah, which are. is
1: so interesting because I still, when I read this, it's like, what is my instinct to think of what righteousness is and stuff? Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, it's kind of like, to me, how when we read the word, the, like the law, mm-hmm. we have a certain thing pop into our head. Right. And when we read this righteousness, we have like a certain thing, again, pop into our head. And we're like, even now, even having studied this a couple times, it's still kind of like jarring for me to go like reset my, like my mindset mm-hmm. and think about it the way that I know I should.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it is really difficult to get out of it. And even to be like, Oh, you know, and as we go through the examples, I think we'll see what Jesus is really doing with yeah. it. But it, it is difficult to get out of like uh, just reading it as, just straight up instruction yeah. that were, uh, these are the rules that you're supposed to follow. Follow the rules. Everybody's good. Right. Um, so uh, as a whole, um, so, uh, I'll, I'll summarize this, this beginning section that's going to lead into this to say, um, and this is, uh, again, R.T. France again, he says to enter the kingdom of heaven does not mean to go, uh, go to a place called heaven, but to come under God's rule, uh, to become one, uh, who, one of those who recognize his kingship and, and live by its standards, to pe- to uh, be God's true people. We might paraphrase Jesus' words here uh, as follows. Do not suppose that I came to undermine the authority of the Old Testament scriptures, and in particular, the law of Moses. I did not come to set, aside, uh, set them aside, but to bring into reality that which they pointed forward. I tell you truly, the law, down to its smallest details in a permanent, Uh, is as permanent as heaven and earth and will never lose its significance. On on the contrary, all that it points forward to uh, will in fact become a reality and is now doing so in my ministry. So anyone who treats even the most insignificant of the commandments of the law uh, as of no value and teaches other people to belittle them is an unworthy representative of the new regime. While anyone who takes them seriously... um, in word and deed will be a true member of God's kingdom. But do not imagine that simply keeping all of those rules will bring salvation. For I I tell you truly, it is only those whose righteousness of life goes far beyond the old policy of literal rule keeping, which the scribes and Pharisees represent, uh, which the scribes and Pharisees represent, uh, who will prove uh, to be God's true people in this era of fulfillment. Um, And so he's saying, Hey, we're, we're pushing past that. You know, we're getting down to the heart of it. And this is what, this is what God's people uh, really look like. Um, And so, uh, yeah, so we'll start working through, okay, how do we work that out? What does that mean uh, for how we read the scriptures? Um, And, and, and I'll start by saying this isn't exhaustive. Okay. So, the point of Jesus here is not to say here's the full list of all the things that we should do. Okay. He's giving you examples of what he talks, what he means and how to interpret the law. Um, and so he's going to give, he's going to give six, six different examples. And I think the calling is to be, well, how do we look back then and, uh, apply the way that he interprets the law to other parts of the law, you know, other parts of the 10 Commandments. So, uh, we'll start out with the, the first two here. And these are two of the 10 words. So this is kind of important. He's, he's going to speak on that. So here's here's the first two sections. He says, uh, You have heard that it was said to the people of old, Do not commit murder. And whoever commits murder will be subject to judgment. But I say to you that every, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Stupid fool, will be subject to the council. And whoever says, Obstinate fool, will be subject to, to fiery hell. Therefore, if you present your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there uh, before the altar and go uh, to be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your gift. Settle the case quickly uh, with your accuser while you are with him on the way, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never come under, come out of there until you have paid back the last penny. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone or that everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it throw it from you. It is better for, for you uh, that one of your... Uh, uh, members be destroyed, then your whole body be thrown into hell. And it and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it out from you. Uh, for it is better for you that one of your limbs be destroyed than your whole body go into hell.
1: So for this first part with murder, I was like thinking about to thinking back to the Ten Commandments and thinking about how the the extent of the language in the Ten Commandments is do not murder. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were studying Exodus, thinking, "Yep, that's pretty easy." Like, yeah, it
0: seems straightforward. It, you know, see, like, hey, I, you yeah, know, I like, can probably go a day without. I and got so on.
1: that, and I think you know, it's something that a majority of the world's population can agree on. Yeah, um, you know, I'm sure there's some exceptions, sure. but um, you know, most people are like. Bad. Yeah. Bad idea. Don't do that. Like Mm -hmm. we can all agree on that. And I kind of wonder if that's why Jesus started starts with this one. Yeah. Is because it is something that would have like, yeah, everyone agrees on it. Most people, um, here would be like, yeah, I don't have a problem with that one. Yeah. They would think, yeah, I've, you know, never murdered anybody like Mm -hmm. not going to whatever. Um, and so
0: easy command to keep. You know, everybody, yes, and everybody yes. in his crowd's probably like, "Yeah, I keep that one. I know how to keep that." Part <laughs> like of the high log. five
1: themselves, yeah. pat them on the back because yeah. they got that one. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I am with you. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you start, <laughs> you start to read some of this language, and it's like, ooh, it's starting to like cut, cut into your soul a little bit because you know how you have felt about people at times. And I just, you know, obviously this is like, we've kind of meant, hinted at is this is all just getting to what is the heart Yeah. of this yeah. man
0: M- murder, murder already. It just makes a physical, it's a physical manifestation of something that's already happened in the heart. Yeah. And that's his point is that it was always pointing towards something deeper uh, and you can't, you can't regulate in, you know, court of law. Hey, you know, stop being angry. You know, like stop having angry thoughts type of thing. Like you can't, you can't regulate that. And so, uh, but Jesus is trying to, he's saying like, look, this was always trying to point out to you the darkness of your heart whenever you're angry with your brother. Like, and as you let that sit, you let it, you let it manifest and you, and eventually, you know, it leads to something like that. Yeah. And so the heart of the law was always to try to point that out to you and say, Hey, I'm, you know, like I need to address this anger. You know, I yeah. need to address this, and, and it's not uh, again. I, um, it's okay to be angry, you know, about something that happens. It's okay to be angry. He's not saying it's not okay to be angry. I think he's saying it's bad to be angry and let it fester. Mm-hmm. Uh, anger, anger alerts us to something wrong. Um, and what we do about it is what matters. Uh, you know. Uh, with it. I mean, so, and so I'll, I'll help with that a little bit as he works out the, the examples, he says, um, you know, he says, if you, if you're at the altar and you remember an issue that you have with your brother, um, you know, before you make that sacrifice, you need to go and um, and deal with that. And I think that's a, like, whenever you're there and if you, you, you feel this, twinge of like hey i'm hey you know I'm angry with my brother about something it's alerted you to a problem mm-hmm. and you need to go and set it right as opposed to letting it fester um and so i think that's his point is that what we do with our anger is what really matters here and do we do we allow it to um alert us that we need to approach our brother and say hey we need to settle this out you know like we need yeah. to deal with this problem or is it something that you allow to fester to the point where you're, you know, that you become violent with it? And so um, I guess I just want to, I feel like there's some aspect of that where it's like you read that and you just say, oh, it's never, ever okay um, to feel angry about something. And I, I just, I don't think that God, like the, the examples of who God is uh, doesn't allow for that, you know, mm-hmm. to be the way that we interpret this. Uh, because he becomes angry about his people doing bad things um but but what he does he it causes him to do something about it yeah you know um to do i mean just to intercede and to come in come into his world and try to set it right and yeah. so um yeah i i guess I, I i know that that's probably hard to just see in this one instance but as I've read the prophets and he's saying he's not doing away with the prophets, you know, like when we read the prophets, it's like, we see um, that God God gets angry about certain things and, uh, and it moves him to action. Um, and so just the same, and it's a matter of what the action is that, you know, that really, that really kicks it. And I think for us, our call is to try to reconcile with our brother, not to try to take it into our own hands and, you know, execute vengeance on our own terms yeah. because of that anger. And so um, anyways, I, just, I think there's a nuance there that just needs to be discussed is that, look, it's not, you know, don't sit here and be like, well, I'm angry at somebody. And so I, I need to feel guilty about it. No, the point is you're angry. So let's, let's figure out how do we reconcile with our brother, which is his example. Yeah. That's his example that follows up. He, uh, he, what's it, it lets him, call him to do something about it, which is to reconcile with his brother. Um, yeah, so
1: for me, I think of this section as like a, the the heart of it as being like, do we treat people and do we see people the way that God sees them? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how I summarize this section. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to mention is, you know, um, the last podcast when we started out, the beginning of Matthew, and obviously the Beatitudes, um we had kind of discovered a new way to look at them as like ways to live mm-hmm. and not just like we talked about how they weren't just like random bullet points that are like oh yeah like i really like that jesus like mm-hmm. yeah blessed are the merciful yeah you know for they shall receive mercy like they're not just these random bullet points they are um also kind of these these guidelines or these the, like showing us how to live, showing us how to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so in this section, I was trying to keep the Beatitudes, through all of these, through Mm -hmm. the rest of this chapter, I was trying to keep the Beatitudes in mind as I read those and try to see like, okay, what does this point back to? Because the Beatitudes are kind of like his, you know, his starting, you know, his introduction Mm -hmm. of all of this. And so this is all kind of like pointing back and forth to each other in my mind um so the the two the two uh beatitudes that stuck out to me the most in this section is one showing mercy. um you've got like obviously issues between two people or you know you're feeling angry at someone or someone is feeling anger anger towards you mm-hmm. because you've wronged them in some way, and just the idea of showing mercy to those people right and the other one is um being a peacemaker, yeah. and reconciling. And I think that that is, um, you know, with this idea of settling matters quick, like settling matters quickly, um, you know, and, and even just the first example that you had mentioned going back before you, um, go to the altar, it's just like this, this desire to make these relationships right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that those are just kind of playing on each other that it just kind of shows you really how this is a complete, uh, this is a great example to me of not using verses in isolation. Right. Um, because you can really see how these are like woven together. This is an entire sermon, an entire, uh, lesson. And so these things all work together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They don't, they don't just stand on their own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, he even says things like, I mean, in here he says, whoever says to his brother, stupid fool, you know, or obstinate fool. These were common things to say, you know, like these aren't, and almost like it, I think the, the reaction to it, like to say, you know, anybody that says stupid fool will be be subject to the council. I think you would have scoffed at that yeah, and be like, that's ridiculous. You know, like, how could you say such a thing? And then he would even heighten it and say obstinate, you know, if you say obstinate fool, you're subject uh, to the fires of Hinnom. Um, and so for me, I want to try to, I don't want to avoid that. Um, the fires of like, I think that would have shocked, uh, his listener out of like a stupor, you know, if they were like, this is ridiculous. And they'd be like, Whoa, you just really upped the game to say that something like me saying, you, you know, I think equivalent of like you silly goose, you know, (laughs) <laughs> would, uh, you know, would result in the, the fires of Hinnom. And I, I think in their mind, um, there's a couple things that would have come up with that. Um, is that um in Second Kings, uh in the Valley of Hinnom, uh this is usually the word where where it gets translated hell. Uh the Valley of Hinnom is where uh apostate um Israelites, I mean they sacrificed children uh, by fire um mm-hmm. to um, I think the I think the deity was Molech. Um, and so it has this sense of, you know, in the in the biblical story, uh, subject to the fires of Hanoam would echo that of like this sacrifice to this um to this false god. You know, to to say to to demean your brother in some way is like you I mean you're subject like you're you're just as bad as somebody that uh <laughs> sacrificed his children to a false God. Like what? Like, how are we, how are we, uh, you know, tying these two things together? Like it, like it would be, it would be shattering to say mm-hmm. something like this. Like what in the world do you mean? Um, and then another image that would be that uh, most scholars say that, um, at the time in the Valley of Hinnom, uh, it was basically a, a, a burning trash heap. This is where you threw the trash out, uh, in Jerusalem. Um, and you know it would it would burn it up you know basically just a garbage pile out there so those are kind of the two images that I think they would have in their head and I think that that's what I want to go with with this of like whenever he says something like this that's what comes to their mind not whatever we supply um, in the idea of hell he's not giving a um, a doctrine of hell here mm-hmm. uh, this is the valley of Hinnom which would I think both of those images would probably come up in the listener's mind by saying something like that, but it is, it's striking in its uh, intense. Yeah. Um. So it's not lessened in any way. I just want to try to get back to what that, what, what would come in their mind yeah. as he said something like that.
1: I also wanted to mention that, and this comes up in, I think every section that we're going to read is, you know, he says, you have heard that it was said, do not murder, mm-hmm. but, but I tell you. Yeah. And, you know, I think, as a twenty two thousand twenty-two American reader, I'm like, Yeah, of course he said that. He's Jesus. Right. But if I put myself back in the in the time of this happening, the fact that he is saying something from the Hebrew scriptures, you know, like you have heard it was said, do not murder. And he's talking about what's in the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. And then he says, But I tell you, he is showing his authority.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, just thinking about how controversial that would be, especially with this, like, juxtaposition of he just told us that he's not, like, changing. You know, he's not here to, like, destroy the law. Right. Um, and then now it feels, it, yeah. it probably feels to some of them, like, what's going on here? Yeah, like, and, he,
0: and he claims, he's essentially claiming, I have the, the interpretation of the law. Right. This is what it always pointed to. And that would be striking because I think a lot of the the scribes and the Pharisees would kind of be, or, you know, or Sadducees would be like kind of more philosophical about it and be like, maybe it means this and maybe it means that. Mm -hmm. And they might argue about it. Uh, But for somebody to come along and say, but I say to you and like basically set their stuff alongside it Mm -hmm. um, and say, this is, has just as much authority um, would be very striking. Yeah, absolutely striking. And so
1: I just wanted to kind of point that out because I think it's very easy for us to go like, yeah, this is Jesus. Yeah, go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love these are so powerful words. But it's like that would really probably um, jar some people. E- yeah. Like even his followers would be like, whoa. Yeah. Like this is different. Yeah,
0: and uh, and so um. You know the two examples he gives is of the of the altar and um would just briefly talk about that of like this is you know this is a person that's desiring to be set right with God uh, that's why you go to the altar you know and you're you're wanting and desiring your, your relation to be set right with God and he so he, he's saying like why would you expect God to set a relationship right with you of things that you've done wrong to him uh, if you haven't done the same to your brother again it goes back to the mercy thing that you were talking about mm-hmm. and to the point like where his his You know, with where he's talking right now, we're talking about somebody, you know, who's traveled, uh, you know, 80 miles to Jerusalem from the Galilee, um, you know, with his offering and then like and telling him to leave the animal and go back, you know, a week's journey in order to reconcile with his brother. Uh, And, you know, before coming then back, I mean, it's it's an outrageous scenario. It's over the top. Um, and that's kind of his point. And then the, the second part of like settle the matter, matter quickly, this is another example, but this is where you've wronged someone else. Um, and his point here is like, why are you, why, why would you let like the law try to work this? Out? Like, why are you trying to escape the thing that you know you did wrong? Um, and said, go and settle it and stop waiting for something to, uh, to just see if the law catches you in the end, Yeah, you know, and, uh, and like having this drawn out process to try to like get around it um, instead uh, own up to it and go set it right mm-hmm. and stop waiting you know yeah. and like in and, um, and so that's what he called he calls his disciples to um, you know to to both reconcile whenever they've been wronged and also to actively seek reconciliation when they have wronged someone else yeah. and so and swallow our pride um okay so any other thoughts on that Mm-mm. okay. Uh, So the second one, and this is another one of the 10 commands, right? Or the 10 words of do not commit adultery. So again, he kind of follows the same pattern. Don't, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. So there again, we have basically, I mean, again, the same pattern is set up of like, this is, you know, you can't, you can't regulate the mind. You can't say um, how do we, you know, you can't punish somebody for what they think because you'll never know what they really think. Uh, only God can do such things. Um, but He's like, look, this this command, don't commit adultery, was always pointing towards, like the the thing that was happening in the heart. And I think even within the ten words when we talked about it, um, it was about like you, I think the tenth the tenth word uh, was that, hey, don't envy right don't envy your neighbor's wife or his possessions and things like that and so like how do you regulate that and i think we talked about it at the time like how do you regulate that how do you regulate envy and so it was like well the point was never to do that it was it was to point out to you like this is who i am and this is what you know this is what my heart's really like and to cause you to say i need to be something different and uh, and just the same here it's getting down to the heart of adultery which is uh, what you're already doing in your mind yeah. you've already you've already um you know, allowed that to, uh, happen to you, you know, that you've, you've lingered on it now. And this isn't just like a, a glance of noticing somebody that's attractive. This is actually like a, I'm, you know, prolonging a look at someone to generate pleasure for myself with what I'm looking at. Yeah. And, um, and then even maybe even going so far as to plan, you know, how do I how can I make this happen type yeah. thing? And so the adultery though, was always just a it was a manifestation of what was already inside. Yeah. And that's his point again.
1: Yeah. So for this one, I I mean, the beatitude I'm going to go back to on this one is pure in heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, I think, pretty self-explanatory. But I think what when we read this section, it got me thinking about how we always try to like draw a line in the sand of like, where's the line where, you know, we're right with God on this side of the line. And we're wrong with God on this side of the line, and how we're always trying to know, like, oh, well, this this makes it very confusing. Like, ha- am I okay? Like, have I, am I okay with God because I did this or had this? I mean, even going back to the murder section mm-hmm. of just like murder section, that sounds weird, but just, you know, feeling anger towards people. Um, it's hard to know. There's not a like, okay, I've done this, and now I know that I, um, like I'm not a good place with God. Mm-hmm. Like I think this kind of makes it where it's, <laughs> it's it makes it kind of fuzzy for us. We like things to be very clear. Yeah, clear cut. cut. This is black and white.
0: I'm I'm in the good side or the bad side. Right. And
1: yeah. um. On, honestly, we just got to talking about how it just we should be so far away from the line in pursuit. Of God's
0: right, it's not. It's, we shouldn't it, be in pursuit of the line. We should, should be in pursuit, in pursuit of God, of God. and yeah. and just being like Him, which yeah. is this whole call to be like right. God. Um, and if what we're made to be His image bearers, and so it's like stop trying to find the line, and instead do what you know is right, right, and uh, and because you do know it, like you know what's right in that, you know, in that yeah. this moment, and you're choosing to try to play with the line. And, yeah. that's, and, and I
1: think it's because some of this language makes us really nervous, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um That it, it just kind of scares us of like, oh my goodness, like the fire of hell, the, you know, sure. gouge your eye out. Like these things, they bring out some emotion in us of fear or yeah. of just like, man, have I messed up so much? Like, have I felt that way about someone? Have I done that? I don't know. Like just kind of getting confused yeah. in our mind, I guess that it just kind of makes us not read this, um, rationally maybe. Yeah. Or well, just but, like,
0: but it was always meant to reveal something about you so that yeah. you can do something. It's not meant to be like, well, look at how terrible you are sitting your terribleness. It's yeah. to say, look, this is not good. Like you can see the darkness of your heart and that something does need to change. And yeah. it was meant to reveal that about, about us and about, about who we are. And so, um, you know, uh, I guess don't throw the baby out with the bathwater with it. Yeah. Of just that, um, like, because I think we, yeah, we just avoid like, Oh, I don't want to feel guilty and things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's meant to just r- to reveal your heart that something needs to be different. Yeah. And, and I think that him, him heightening or not, not just heightening it, but revealing the truth of what it always called realized that like, we could never, like we're so far from this. Yeah. Um, And, um, but it's not just that again, that you sit in it. It's like, Hey, but now that I've shown this to you, like we can go and be something different and that I'm calling you to be something different. Um, you know, and and so like for this, you know, it it would be easy to just, again, um, this isn't to make you feel guilty of like every time that you've looked at someone and seen, you know, like, Oh, you're pretty you know, or you're, you know, you're handsome or things like that. This is a, this is a, again, a manifestation in the heart of the desire for adultery, this desire for, you know, for sex with someone that's not your partner, you know, that's not your spouse. You're yeah. not your spouse. Um, and so, um, that, that's what he's trying to reveal here. Um, yeah. is that, is that, and so, uh, Martin Luther had a quote, um, that was like, you know, for something like this of like, yeah, I can't, you know, in situations like that, I can't um, prevent a bird from flying over my head, but I can prevent it from making a nest in my hair. You know, it's like in a situation like that, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to notice some, if somebody is attractive, but I can keep it from, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to stop that, but I can keep it from being something that I, that I, focus on it. i allow to fester Mm -hmm. and grow and uh and so that's that was the always the heart of it is like hey this is revealing this and uh, and there again you have this valley valley of hanom it's better you know be better to pluck your eye out you know than to allow it to seep into you like better for that to be thrown into the smoldering trash heap than all of you um get rid of it cut it out you know get uh, as soon as you notice something like that get rid of it yeah, uh, his point isn't to say to actually self mutilate here, but to show the seriousness of sin, and as we let it sit, as we let it you know fester in our hearts, that um, that it grows, and it you know, and um, we have to cut it out. We got to get rid of it and throw it away. You know, it's better for that than for our whole body to be thrown into the the smoldering trash heap. Um, so that's kind. Of, that's again. That's the imaging imagery that would that would come up here. Um, Brandon Crowe fin- finish this section with this. He says, he says the 10 commandments or the 10 words remain in effect, but require more than what we uh, might think at first glance. The sixth commandment or sixth commandments uh, does not uh, simply require us not to murder. Instead, it requires us to seek reconciliation and be quick to be at peace with our neighbor. The seventh commandment, Not only prohibits the physical act of adultery, but even adulterous thoughts. Jesus shows with particular clarity the special, or I'm sorry, the spiritual dimensions of what what God requires in His law. Yet it is not entirely new. The law was already spiritual and required true obedience in the Old Testament. God or Jesus does not uh, make the law something it wasn't already, but unfolds and applies it in new ways even as he brings the law to its fulfillment as the goal to which it pointed. The law is spiritual and requires more than only outward obedience. So uh, just finish that because those are the two of the 10 commands. And, and I, again, I would say this isn't just about those two commands. It's meant for us to be like, hey, well, how do I need to What do I need to do with the rest of them? You know, and like to go back and read it the way that Jesus reads, you know, the way that he's already shown you. As a disciple, he's shown you how to do it now, and now you go do it. So we'll keep going uh, the next two here.
1: It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one.
0: Okay, so the first two were from the ten words. Those are like super well-known, but uh, these two are a little bit more um, not well-known. Right. Uh, these are kind of uh, obscure, uh, quote, I'll, I'll quote, laws uh, of the Old Testament. Um, and, and so um, so he's moved from, OK, what do we do with the 10 words to now? What do we do with other stuff? Right. And like, how, how do we look at those types of things? And so for the first one uh, is, is with um, you've heard it said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. So what what have, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I've always looked at this one and just been like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, cool. Got yeah. it, I guess. Um, you know, just kind of accepted, like, it is what it is kind of thing. Um, I think, though, our discussion about it really gave me some clarity mm-hmm. to think about who this was um, written to. Sure. And um, just, well, first off, the Divorce was something that was allowed, and um, that's not what God wanted, but mm-hmm. it was just like, you know. Just yeah, a, it, it was
0: a, a result th- of human hardness of heart. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, and so, um, you know, he, he allowed that. Um, I think I've always taken this, too, and kind of wondered— you know, like you have this except for marital and faithfulness. And while I think that that's a great, um, exception, if I'm just reading this, right. you know, at its, you know, for what it is, which is what I've always done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it also makes me wonder, well, what about like, what about people who are like, visit, like abused in some way, you right. know, like wouldn't there be an exception for that, right. you know? And, um, you know, Then I start thinking, well, why am I expecting this to be all encompassing? Because even when we talked about the old, um, even when we were going through the 10 commandments, we were talking, we'd mentioned then like, this cannot be all encompassing in terms of the, the rules and the language that's used. There were still like some gray areas where it was like, well, what do you do with this? You Mm -hmm. know? I mean, some of it was like oddly specific, but like other stuff was like, well, this doesn't there would be circumstances you could think of where you'd go, what do we do with, if this were to happen? Yeah. And so like kind of the point of this is not to be like, here is a list of things that you, I mean, and and why is my mind suddenly going back to like, I need a list of reasons why you can get divorced. Right, Right. When we've just had these other two sections that are like, what is the heart of what is being done here? Right. And like, the the issue here was men were abusing this rule, um and just divorcing their wives just because they yeah, immoder- air quote could. Yeah. And um, you know, just kind of abusing that. And then a woman in these times, if she's divorced, like that is not a good position to be in. And so the fact that she becomes an adulteress is his fault, the man's right. fault. It's on the man. He has done this to her. And so, um, I don't know, it was just kind of a new, I've had like to really kind of reshape the way I think about this because all of a sudden I'm going back to like, I need specifics. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And and so what he's entering, I mean, so this is what we would call in modern context, a loophole, you know, like they're using it as a loophole. Yeah. Um, and so he, he's actually entering into a debate that's going on at the time of like, well, when is it okay to divorce? Like Moses said that we could give a certificate of divorce. Here's what it is. And so like that would range everywhere from where he is, where it's like, hey, only in unchastity is that allowed uh, to um, one of the uh, Hillel. Uh, one of the um, rabbis of the time would say um, that it was allowed uh, a man to divorce his wife for such a trivial offense as spoiling a meal. <laughs> or even simply because he had found her, uh found someone he preferred. And actually we can see this in like writings of Josephus. He <laughs> would say kind of the same thing. I was thing. gonna
1: say in the Veggie Tells one, uh the Veggie Tells Esther. Oh yeah. The the story in the Veggie Tells Esther is um the king's wife makes the peanut butter jelly sandwich wrong. Yeah. Or it's no, like, no, no. She refuses to make him a sandwich. She refuses to make him a sandwich. Yeah. she yeah, tells so. Esther version. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So basically that's, that's kind of the, yeah. the thought of like, okay, well they're, they're debating this and Jesus basically comes in and says, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like stop taking advantage of an allowance that God made because of the hardness of human hearts uh, to do something that is that you know is wrong that he never intended. like he intended yeah. for, and he's gonna expand on this later in Matthew, but uh, he's saying, stop using this as a loophole. This was never the way that God intended it. And uh, and this was all this was only um, an allowance based off of your hard hearts that this was even that this even happened in the first place. And so therefore the only way that that can happen is if you know she she commits adultery, um, and stop abusing basically because it's basically abuse you know like that he can that this you know any man a man can just divorce his wife for any reason I mean it's basically just abuse and taking advantage of it whenever the whole law in the first place if you go back and read it in deuteronomy was actually to limit to limit the man, not the woman here like it was meant to be a thing against him uh from being able to take advantage of her if she became you know divorced again from another man so, it was actually trying to protect her and they've manipulated the law in order to make it to an advantage of the man. And so, uh, he's getting after them. And, 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 and so a question like, well, what if he, would if it, what if for, for domestic abuse, and st- mm-hmm. th- that's, that's just not on the, that's not the thing in the purview right now. Those yeah. are kind of our questions. That's not the question that's going on at the time. And Jesus is answering, uh, to, the people, to the men who are taking advantage of their wives uh, or, you know, wanting to just get rid of them whenever they're tired of them. Uh, he's addressing them and saying, stop doing that. That's not the way that this was meant to, was meant to go down. And so um, he's, uh, I, I would say that within our modern context, uh, he's not saying that you can't, you know, divorce can't happen because of domestic abuse and things like that. He's Um, but this is speaking to a specific context and trying to address the wrongs that are going on by the men to the women. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of, and also trying to get back to the heart of like, well, what was God's desire for people? It was that we would be, you know, that man and woman become one, um, and you know, one flesh and that it wouldn't, um, you know, we wouldn't be separated in, in the idea of the, it's okay to be divorced, you know, after adultery, well, after adultery, essentially, it's already broken. Um, and so he's just saying, well, it's already been broken at that point, And that's, you know, that is what it is yeah. at that point. But he, again, he's like, this is not God's desire. Yeah. And so getting under the heart of the law is like, stop taking advantage of it you yeah. know, by something that he allowed because of the hardness of human hearts. And so the same thing, uh, I think we're going to repeat this in the same theme of this, these oaths, um, you know, people taking advantage of, you know, sentences like, you know, do not swear falsely, but fulfill the oaths of the Lord. They're um, taking that as a license to, well, I can swear by, swear by Yahweh certain things, you know, that I can use his name to do certain stuff uh, to, to try to say, Oh, well, I really mean it this time, you know? <laughs> yeah And, and so you're swearing by the name of the Lord or by what he, um, what is his Uh, in order to try to build up your own trust, trustworthiness. Yeah. Um, And so he's saying, stop taking advantage of that. Like, and, um, instead, like, I mean, it just seems pretty straightforward to me. Like instead of having to have qualifiers for everything, why don't you just let your, let your own trustworthiness show for itself?
1: Yeah. Right. And what I thought of when I read this is, is something that I've actually told Caleb a lot lately is, I mean, what I say and I say what I mean. Mm -hmm. And, um, with with Caleb, oftentimes that means like if I told you not to do something or to do something and you don't listen, there's a consequence for that. And that consequence is going to stand. It's not just going to go, you know, not just going to go away because you say you're sorry or whatever. It's like I, <laughs> I say what I mean and I mean what I say, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that there's not just going to be like he doesn't have to question if I'm being honest with him about what's going to happen because I've proven that right. when this, you know, when you do this, X happens. Right. Um, and, or I do, when you do this, I do that. Um, and so that's just kind of something that came to my mind. And yeah, the, without any qualifiers, I think is a big thing to me. This shows again, um, just having a pure heart of mm-hmm. just like saying what's true. Like <laughs> yeah, being trustworthy right. and um, just an incredible level of honesty.
0: Yeah. And so I, I wrote this, well, th- just to try to summarize it. I, I said, uh, the whole reason that we need to swear in the first place is because we have shown a propensity to be untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. Like we've already shown that we're untrustworthy. So we feel like we have to swear in order to say, no, really, I mean it this time. Right. Um, but our untrustworthiness untrust- uh, that has led to swearing has already dishonored God, uh, whose name we bear, you know? So like, and that and that's kind of his point is that like whenever you've, you know, if you have to swear by something uh, in order to prove your trustworthiness, that means you've already been untrustworthy and people can't trust you. And if you're a representative of God, you've already, you've already borne, the, you know bore the name falsely. Like you've already bore yeah. God's name falsely in that moment, so you've already d- you know done that. Let's
1: have a let's have a fun little story here um, to interject. Uh, so I had we we had kind of already studied this chapter separately, and we hadn't studied it together yet. And Garrett was asking can- I can't remember what he was asking me, but he said, "Do you pinky promise?" <sighs> Because well, that's always been a thing with us is like, if you pinky promise, then you really mean it. You're yeah. really being honest. Yeah. And that's, and I was like, I am not going to pinky promise. I'm going to let my yes be yes. And he was like, touche and walked out of the room. So and so, uh, yeah. So, you know, pinky promises, we, we can't do that anymore. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It's
1: a qualifier. But,
0: so one thing to mention here, and I, I find this really interesting, is that um like a what do we do with something like Genesis twenty two? Uh this is God's promise to Abraham. He says this, he says, or it says, And and he said, I swear by myself, declares Yahweh. Oh. That because you have done this thing and not have well withheld your son, your your only son, you know, that I will certainly bless you and greatly multiply your offspring is the stars of heaven. So this is the covenant. You know, this is like his promise. he's reiterating the com- uh, covenant and he says I swear by myself. So what do we do with something like with Jesus saying don't swear and then you look back in the Old Testament and you see God swearing. Like what do you do? Um and so my my here's my thought on it. Uh, I
1: was <laughs> like I hope you were prepared. Yeah. No, this I am. Is the first I am. Time we've yeah. Ever- yeah. So <laughs> I
0: I think um you know, I would argue that that God has a qualifier as he's establishing his own trust. He, he's establishing his trustworthiness to a broken people in a broken world uh, of which everybody has been untrustworthy to each other. And so it's like, well, how do I, you know, so he's dealing with in human terms with a human, you know, of like, how do I prove my, you know, I'm proving my trustworthiness to you? So he's he's building that to him and he's, you know, and, and it's also it's something that is his. It's his name, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's his, it's his trustworthiness that he's establishing. So it's his, his own reputation, um, that, that is at stake here, um, that his actions will, you know, will determine whether or not that's something that can be trusted or not. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, it's not the reputation of someone else or something that belongs to someone else that we're using as the qualifier, but he's saying, I swear by my name in a world that's already broken, that's needs that like the, the dealings with each other, you know, it's already created the need for that type of thing to go on. Um, and so I, I think in that case that it's a, it's because of who, you know, he's dealing with us and our propensity to distrust one another and, um, and also it's like really the first establishment of him being like, no, look, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, and he's already shown his trustworthiness through Isaac. Uh, and he's going to continue, continue to show his trustworthiness through, um, you know, all the way through, through Jesus, you know? Um, and so, um, but that requirement is because of us, not because of him. Um, that he, that he needed to do that. I think in that, in that instance. So, um, it is an allowance because of the hardness of human hearts that that happens in the first place. And so anyways, I thought it was an interesting conundrum, you know, to be like, okay, how do we work through this? You know, how do I, how do I make sense of, well, if Jesus says, don't swear. And then he's, and then we see God saying, I swear, <laughs> how do we deal with that? Um, uh, Patrick Shiner says this, he says, if if this command is viewed through the lens of the preamble, uh, then the Old Testament laws enshrined the importance of truthfulness. Uh, the language of, of Jesus is therefore hyperbolic. Jesus reminds people of the original intent of the law. His words create a community of trustfulness, or I'm sorry, truthfulness, where oath-taking is unnecessary in, uh, since, uh, since, um, mean, um, or since men and women uh, speak the truth. So... Um, He's trying to develop a whole new community of people that this isn't... You know, it's no longer required for that because we are always trustworthy in what we say. Uh, so, there you go. Um, so, do I have the last section? Yep. Okay. All right. So, last two here. So, it's last two examples of how to work out the law. Um, he says, You have heard it said, that it, uh, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not res- resist the evildoer, but whoever strikes you on the right cheek, turn uh, the other to him also. And the one who wants to go to court with you and take your tunic, let him have your outer garment also. Um, and whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Uh, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, because he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not the tax collectors also do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing that is remarkable? Do not the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect.
1: Okay, so for this first eye for an eye section, I really was thinking about the ideas of showing mercy, obviously, mm-hmm. and um pursuing true righteousness and not just um you know, I say true righteousness is not like a I, this is something that I have talked about that I've struggled with combining like righteousness and justice, so like not pursuing justice for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but pursuing a true righteousness, um, and just kind of, you know, allow God to handle the judgment. And I think, um, especially with this, I think one of the reasons it can be so hard to not, um, lash back at someone and, and, you know, like in this situation to just be so humble, which again kind of goes back to the Beatitudes of that meekness. Mm -hmm. Um, But we allow our own pride to get in the way or how other people view us to um, get in the way here. And um, this is like, to me, sort of a call to humility.
0: Yeah, to lay down your pride. Yes. Yeah. Because this would be, I mean, the examples that he gives of somebody striking you yeah, on the cheek would be super dishonorable, and a yeah. in a honor and shame culture that would be way more than we could imagine um, of shaming. You know, somebody to strike you with the back of their hand, um, yeah, would be a, a huge dishonor. Yeah, uh, it, to think even to not only just not retaliate, but actually to offer the other cheek also mm-hmm. for further insult.
1: Yeah,
0: um, that that that's an extreme laying down of one's own pride and honor. Yeah. Um, and honestly, this
1: section made me think of like, you know, being humble, even when it's not easy, just because it's the right thing to do. And that made me think of Dumbledore's quote from Harry Potter of, um, we must all face the choice between what is right and what is easy. And I think that the easy thing to do here would be to just like, yeah, slap the person back (laughs) or, or just, you know, at the, at the very least to just walk away, not to, you know, go that step further of like turning the other cheek to say, you know what, if you want to hit me again, yeah, it's
0: actually not a passive. Yeah. This is not, this is not calling one to be passive. It's right. actually calling somebody to do something. It's just something that we don't want to really do, yeah. which is offer more Yeah, uh, than what's already been taken. And in, bo- in every circumstance here, it's offering more than what somebody has already taken from you. Uh, even, even things that, you know, you buy. So like for the cloak and, uh, garment thing uh you know the tunic and the outer garment you know this was something that by by the law uh, somebody was not allowed to demand from you like the outer garment was your way of keeping warm and he says no offer it say like give it to them freely without them having you know wanting to even ask for it mm-hmm. um which is um I mean that, that like that's a pretty extreme like, like all of these are very extreme and rub rub go totally against the grain of what anything that we want to do. Right. Um, Yeah. In response. And so, and, and for this one, it would be easy. I think this is the easiest one to say, like, look, see, Jesus says, you know, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, you know, whole the whole saying like, oh, you know, eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Um, and that's just not, and, and we talked about it whenever we did it, when we did it in the Exodus of what like, that's not, it was not meant to be a, um, a total uh, circle of, uh, you know, vengeance and creating vengeance, creating vengeance. It was meant to be a, hey, um, punishment should fit the crime. And this is in a, it was meant in a judicial setting. But what's happened is that they've been taught, um, or at least the teaching of the day seems to be of a personal ethic. It's changed to a personal ethic rather than a judicial ethic uh, that, you know, judges need to be making sure that people are getting, you know, dealt with fairly.
1: Punishment fit. fits the crime
0: right uh, that it's being dealt with fairly but they've taken it instead and made it a personal ethic and saying like well you struck me I'm gonna strike you right back mm-hmm. and as opposed to it being a judicial thing and and so uh, that's what's happened and so he's he's kind of undoing a mi- total misuse of the law the a total misuse of the eye for eye tooth for tooth uh, where people have taken it upon themselves to inject it or in enact in, uh, in, in justice. Um, as opposed to allowing it to the officials or allowing it to, to people that can think clearly, you know, about the situation um, or even leaving it to God himself. Um, So um, this is R.T. France says this, he says his concern is only uh, with the inappropriate appropriateness of such a formula to personal ethics applied to that context. It becomes a justification for getting your own back and thus, ultimately for the relentless uh, perpetuation of the, the traditional blood feud uh, with no hope of escaping the cycle of uh, reciprocal violence, which is still sadly evident in many cultures. Jesus' position is shockingly radical. Not only uh, no retaliation, but even, to, uh, even no resistance to the one who is admittedly bad. The series of four personal examples illustrate the principle of not even standing up for one's own rights and not defending one's own honor of allowing others to take advantage. They portray an unselfish and uncalculating benevolence uh, which thinks only of the other's needs or desires, not of protecting one's own resources or even one's honor. It It is to establish, quote, a greater righteousness. A different understanding of how we should live as a people of God, an alternative uh, set of values. It in place of the principle of retribution, he sets non-resistance. In place of defense of legal rights, he sets uncalculating generosity. In place of concern of oneself, he sets concern for the other. So, um, and he also notes too. He said we should not also. Uh, note, however, that a willingness to forgo one's own rights and even to allow oneself to be insulted and imposed on is not incompatible with a firm stand for justice and principle for the rights of others. So, um, he's saying this is this is about a personal thing, like you, like me as a person, of like whenever somebody wrongs me, do I, how do I act in that moment to this person? Um as opposed to, you know, taking the retaliation on for myself, but it doesn't, it doesn't preclude, um, me from also standing up and, um, and speaking out for those who are disadvantaged, who are, who, who are being taken advantage of that. Like we can, we can do both of these things, you know, like be suffering and at the same time, be speaking out for someone else, uh, and, you know, giving up our own rights for the rights of someone else, you know, type of thing. And so it doesn't, these two things can, you know, can operate together. Um, but anyways, so it, this is a, this is a radical call um, of not just not acting, but also even giving even further than what's required. It's an act of generosity uh, to the one who's wronged you, um, which is incredibly difficult. Um, so last section, um, you have heard it said, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, Right. So any any thoughts on that section?
1: I mean, I think, you know, obviously I have very similar thoughts to the section above because to me, this is kind of a, I mean, there's a reason we read these together. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, obviously it's it's usually pretty easy to love our friends and family, generally speaking. I know some, sometimes it can be a challenge, but uh, most of the time, you know, that's an easy thing to do. Um, and I, what kind of struck me when I read it this time with, with thinking about the Beatitudes is that like Jesus already told us that persecution is coming Mm -hmm. and in like back in the Beatitudes, um, and that it's just a result of following Jesus. And so like, if we're not, uh, if people aren't persecuting us, we do have to wonder if we're truly being followers. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the thing that. That stuck apart to me is stuck stuck out to me in this section, um, and just that we can have faith that God is going to eventually set all things right. Yeah,
0: and and so for this section of lo- you know love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Um, so there's no Old Testament command saying that one should love one's neighbor and hate one's enemy. So there's there's a command to love one's neighbor, but not for to hate one's enemy. It's a, a mm. so similar to the one above. Yeah. It's a misapplication. Uh, or even total misunderstanding of the law, where eye for eye, tooth for tooth, was not meant for personal ethic. Just the same, to say love one's neighbor was not to insinuate hate one's enemy. Like that's what that's the way that they took it. Was well, I will love my neighbor and I'll hate my enemy. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's addressing a total misinterpretation of it. And so he says, the, uh, "This is Patrick Schreiner. Thus, uh, this last example confirms that throughout, uh, Jesus responds to some distortion of what the people." thought the Torah taught uh, the true meaning of Leviticus 19:18, that is the love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it is uh, that believers should love all people, friends and enemies alike. You shall not take vengeance or bear a, dr- a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The law has always called on Israel to love, and Jesus returns uh, to this idea, of both loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you, Jesus turns their eyes towards the true intent of the law. Matthew um, again, he has Jesus uh, not as a as a new Moses presenting the old fashioned law. Uh, this is the old message that Moses had already given, but now it is wrapped in the robes of the Messiah. He fulfills the law by both performing the law and also giving its true interpretation. Um, and so um, he, you know, he is. Uh, addressing misuse of the law and saying, this is never what it was about. It was always about, um, you know, love your neighbor <laughs> included, even those, even foreigners, even those, um, people that do, do you wrong, you know, and, um, and do evil to you. Um, and this would include the Romans. This would include, you know, uh, all the Gentiles and things like that. And so it's a high call and something that's very difficult to do. Um, and he concludes it even by saying, um, you know, this whole line of, therefore you be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Um, that, that's a really, um, I think for the, for getting to the end of this, you're just like, man, how can I do this? And how am I supposed to be able to live up to this Jesus? Like this is an impossible calling. And in some ways, in, in, in very many ways it is. Um, but the, the point isn't, wasn't to try to, um, to say like, you have to be this in order to gain salvation or something like that. They're already a disciple. They're already in the kingdom of heaven. Um, and in this case, it's a call to be like God. And that's what he wants his followers to do is to continue, you know, pursue God and be like him. Um, this is different than everybody else, you know? Um, even tax collectors love their, you know, then this, and he uses that in the sense of like the worst of the worst does good to their friends. Um, but if you're going to be like God, do the things that God does, that he even causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. Um, and, and I think he could, he could look back to Jonah here and say, look, be like God that he desired for Nineveh to turn to him and to have mercy on them and show them loving kindness. Um, and, um, so the call of all of this um, is his interpretation of the law is that he was revealing God's heart. And um, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, um, then we have to get, we we go re, now read the law in light of what he's just said and how he's interpreted it. And we begin to see the very heart of God and not just see it, but pursue it. And he, he says, Therefore, be, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It's a, it's a call to be like God and to, to become his children by acting like him.